Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bigly Blast. Kevin Durant just said something absolutely positively ridiculous. He told Fox Sports that his team could lose 82 games in a season and he would be fine with that if he knew that every rep he executed in practice was done with intention and force. Now, does anybody really believe that? I hope not. And I really hope KD doesn't believe it either because championships are for champions, not grinders. And I want him to be a little greedier than that. What I'm guessing is that publicly, Durant is reflexively rejecting all the talk about his legacy. He will not acknowledge Charles Barkley or the lingering implications of joining a 73-win Golden State team that just eliminated him in the playoffs. But KD must know that bringing a championship to Phoenix to end a 55-year drought, to win a ring in Al McCoy's last broadcast, to create a love fest that this region has never seen and only dreamed of, well, it would change everything for us and for KD. He would go from a guy that has currently lost six consecutive playoff games to universally recognized as one of the greatest players of all time. Now, of course, Durant already believes he's the latter. He's already called himself one of the greatest to ever play the game, but he must know that now is a golden chance to prove it and to mute all those old heads forever. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. Great opportunity to play the game of ball. Extend, extend your season. You know, I think that's the fun part. Um, I feel like I played enough ball this year to my standards, so it's good to get some extra games in the playoffs, you know, just play the game, have some fun out there and compete. So preparation is always fun. Um, working on getting some extra time to work on your individual game in this little four or five day in between the playoffs is always uh, cool for me, so yeah, I'm feeling good. That's Kevin Durant on the uh, excitement of getting into the mm. postseason, and uh, it's got to be exciting for him because, let's face it, Kevin Durant hasn't played a lot of basketball lately. The basketball he has played mm-hmm. has been winning basketball, as evidenced by the fact that uh, the Suns are 8-0 when he's on the floor, mm-hmm. so if you know everybody's raring to go. Uh, the guys that were there with the Suns after their disappointing exit last year. You know, they're raring to go for different reasons, but Kevin Durant uh, is there for a different reason. Because, he, he, I mean, again, a guy that loves basketball and wants to play. I wasn't aware that he made that comment to Fox Sports. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, in an exclusive interview with Fox, but not local, Fox Sports National headline, Kevin Durant knows you think he's too sensitive, but it's not, it's quote, not just a me thing. And it's a very interesting um, it's a very interesting piece where KD opens up a little bit. Remember I said yesterday that he's been very careful not to really be too opinionated too out there you know what i mean mm-hmm. not to be not to be in the crosshairs if you will he basically said look I, I see other guys like damian lillard lebron james draymond green they squawk on social media no one's calling them too sensitive okay i concede that a, that point he recognized that him going to the warriors is kind of the root of his per- perception problem which is very very accurate but the idea of um, you could go 0-82 and, and he'd be fine with that. I think, as I said in the blast, I think that is cover for I, I, I'm not talking about legacy. 
Yeah, I mean, he opened. Some people were surprised too when he first got to town, Vic. And if you remember, you were you were at that that introductory press conference when all the fans, you know, filled the seats at Footprint mm-hmm. Center just to get a glimpse of him and hear what he had to say. But a lot of those fans, I think, walked away from that surprised at his stance, and it's been a consistent stance since he's been in town too about. His tenure in Brooklyn. It was a major disappointment. That experiment, you're not going to change the fact that it will go down as one of the biggest failures roster construction-wise in the history of the NBA. Mm -hmm. They didn't win anything. They didn't even play together. So a lot of people were surprised that he said, you know, I have nothing personal there. I have nothing personal against Kyrie. I just want to move on and play basketball. But... um, that O and eighty two thing, yeah, <laughs> that would bug, that's any, what, yeah, that's, bug anybody. Yeah, exactly. So now uh, here's here's what he said about people fixating on him and criticizing him. "Quote: I get it. You need something. My game. You can't clearly see the flaws in my game or in my personality. Off the court stuff. I don't have any major blemishes. So you've got to find something. Quote: I don't like this KD. He tweets too much. Um, so that that's kind of the way he's explained that. But the the entire quote about being 0 and 82, um, it, it, it's, it, it struck me as v- being very, very interesting because because of everything we've talked about. Basketball players, you, you grow up in this environment that that the alphas always declare themselves and and they're always being ranked and 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 where do you fit in and and how, it's it's just it's really so much more part of the landscape in the NBA than than pretty much anywhere else, you know and maybe. Maybe in football it's different because there's quarterbacks and then every other position kind of gets grouped together. Uh-huh. But in, in in basketball it's it's kind of you know like here's here's the here's the money quote that I referenced in the blast. Basically asking you know do you regret anything you have done that has led you to this point? Do you regret going to Brooklyn? In particular, quote, hell no, I don't regret anything I do. I don't regret my time in the league because I feel like I maximize every day as a player. I feel like I get the most out of myself every time I step on the floor. So it's like regardless of the results and the wins and losses, I can live with that part of it. I would never say anything I do is a failure. We could lose 82 games in a season, but if I come to work and every rep is done with intention and with force, every rep I can live with. Okay. All right. I, I don't think he'd be happy going zero and eighty two. No, it's it's an interesting thing. To it say. is, and I think it's it's revealing just how much this stuff is is out there, and and he's he's aware of it. I it's so so all of this is kind of in the mix. And and it, it's a great opportunity for KD because I don't know I don't know if most basketball people when they do rank their top ten does KD crack the top ten? I think for for some I don't think it's universal. Okay, I don't think he's in necessarily everybody's Jordan, LeBron, Kobe, Kobe Bird, Magic, Magic Bird, yeah, Kareem, Kareem. I, he, he might be for some. And when you look at, at what he's done, I, I don't know if what he's done this year, and maybe it's marginalized by the fact that he's missed time with injuries, a couple of different injuries. Mm-hmm. But he's part of a one-man club. With the shooting percentages mm-hmm. he's put out there this year. Mm-hmm. 55, 40, 90, that's never been done before. Mm-hmm. Never. And he's made it look easy. Yes. I mean, one of the nicknames, when, when Kevin Durant got traded to 
the Suns, one of the first things Jarrett did was just make fun of all the nicknames he has. If you go to his basketball reference page, the guy's got you know a million nicknames. One of them is Easy Money Sniper. Yeah, that was not the case early in his career when he came out of Texas and he was kind of just feeling his way out. You can look at some of his early games when he was with Seattle or the early days in Oklahoma City. There was not a whole lot of efficiency in Kevin Durant's game. What he has developed into as an offensive weapon is downright frightening. Mm-hmm. That's why they call him Lanky Munoz. No, they don't call <laughs> that, him that's Lanky why they call him. That's why they call him Valley McBeal. You know? <laughs> that's why they call him Tall Rudd. Yeah, Tall, tall Rudd. Rudd. That's right. <laughs> I've never heard anyone call him the servant or green room. Both of those are listed on green room. I wonder why that reference. would be. Really, yeah. Durantula, KD, Slim Reaper, yep. Easy Money Sniper, the servant, green room. Wow. Yeah, I haven't heard of those last two either. Green room because mm. he always has snacks on him. He wants you to feel comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and sit here before we put you on. Mm. Uh, I've never heard that one either. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's it's all in the mix, man. This is this is going to be fun, fun stuff. KD, as as we have all found out, as we are all discovering, he's he's a fixation for many people in the national media. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to be gained and there's a lot to be lost here. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. Coming up next is Buddha Baker of all people, the latest disgruntled Arizona Cardinal. There seems to be some reason to believe so. We'll get into that next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You just can't really describe it. It's just a little bit of mixture of everything, you know. And um, you know, for us, it's it's all started with, of course, training camp. Um, you know, we had a couple injuries. We had, you know, uh, K1 get sick a little bit, so he wasn't able to practice. And then, you know, we have no no um, preseason games that we're getting into. So first game kind of was that Kansas City game, week one. And um, you know, of course, we get that. That was the foundation of of, <laughs> of course the team and. Um, we try to get better, and, you know, you know, this season was just a rough season, man. That's Buda Baker back on February 9th, sitting down with Adam Shine during uh, Super Bowl week. Why are we playing a quote from Buda Baker that's a couple months old at this point? Because Buda's somewhat in the news now by the deletion yeah. of two letters <laughs> on a Twitter yeah, description. Right, that's all it took. A and Z well, no and longer he, appear, and he changed his and, picture. And he took the Cardinal uniform picture yeah. out of there. Yeah. So that's that's another sign, too, when you disrobe <laughs> publicly. Don't ever do that, Jarrett. <laughs> Please. Not again. Furry freak. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> Not again. Not again. So here we are with another player, a very important player, and we're wondering about his happiness level. Being in Arizona and being a Cardinal at this point. And all we can do right now is speculate. And yeah. we, and my speculation is this is Buda Baker, the ultimate competitor, the guy who's been an unbelievable representative, not just of the Cardinals, but of how players mm-hmm. should, should carry themselves as athletes on and off the field. And he's looking at the very near future, Bick, and he's not seeing a whole lot of 
rewards for the fruits yeah. of his labor. And and I'm talking about wins. Yeah. This, this is shaping up to be a very, very difficult year for the Cardinals. Yeah, and the more and more I look at this, and I'm looking at his financials uh, via Sport Track, and I, I don't think this is money-related, Vinny. He signed a four-year, $59 million contract with the Cardinals, $10 million signing bonus, $2 million paid out every year. So it's not like he got all his money up front. He's going. He's making thirteen point one million this year, fourteen point two next year, coming off of of a season in which he made eleven million dollars. So those numbers are are commensurate with the best safeties in the game. I don't think we've had any safety contracts that have blown those out of the water, have we? There's been a couple that have surpassed it um, off the top of my head, and I just remember that from. Just from memory, but the details. Of Derwin James. Derwin James. Dur- there you go. Uh, yeah. There was, an ex- there, there was a couple of more that happened after that. Each new one was like slightly the, the highest ever. Yeah, right? here. I got it here. We, we can get to the bottom of this. So, so Derwin James is number one. Minka Fitzpatrick. Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams. Jamal. Oh, Jamal. Harrison wow. Smith, that's, that's, Justin Simmons. So Jamal Adams being that highly paid is a joke. Is a crime. Yeah, is a crime. So Buddha ranks sixth. Well, in that context, but he probably wants to go back to number one. I, I, do you? I mean, can you? Do you? Can you make that decision with two years left in your deal? I I, I don't know, think ask this the is Andre Hopkins. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's right. See, but that's what's different here. I I, I fully expect that from D Hop. I don't expect that from Buddha. I know, and I wonder if it's part of it is like Buddha saying, this is a new regime. I want you guys to sort of commit to me and show me, you know, that you're appreciate me and that you're going to build around me and that you possible. Okay. Possible. It doesn't what then we can all agree. You look at this season for the Cardinals and it's looking like a rough go, right? Yeah. So isn't that a little bit disingenuous then if you're upset about maybe not winning a whole lot of games, Mm -hmm. but it can be made better by money. And that's completely naive on my part, not to, to suggest that money doesn't make things better for a lot of people or more palatable right. for a lot of people. Right. But it's also, does Buddha think that they're not going to win or does Buddha think they're not trying to win? Because if it's just a, you know, a rebuilding year, Kyler's injured, but there's a, there's a, a plan and we're going to go out there, we're going to try as hard as we can and we're, and we're put, piecing together a thing, that's one thing. But if he thinks they're purposely not trying to win this season, get, that you could get upset about. Yes, because uh, this well, needs it, to be reiterated in all sports. Yeah, Tanking is not an endeavor that is carried out by the players on a field. Tanking is a preseason roster construction exercise that is putting the players on the field in terrible positions yeah. to win. Yeah. That's what tanking is. On a Sunday, you're going to, hey, Buddha, you know, take it easy this week. We, we want to improve our dream. That doesn't happen. No. No. So maybe he's not happy about the Zach Allen to Denver, the Byron Murphy Jr. deal. Maybe he's not happy about that. Maybe it's I don't know. But it's this is a a delicate deal for the Cardinals, because if there's anybody on this football team now that resonates with the fan base, it's Buda Baker. 
Yeah, absolutely. He's the guy. He's the guy. And, I mean, he was one of the breakout stars of Hard Knocks. We all knew that J.J. Watt was going to be, and he was indeed. But, yeah, I mean, this is this is the Suns version of Mikael Bridges, in my opinion. This Let's is just the guy say this. That, if Buda Baker was at the Coyotes game last night and they showed him on the Jumbotron, oh, standing nobody, ovation. nobody would have booed. No, standing ovation. He would have got the Ish Wainwright treatment. He brought... <laughs> <laughs> now you can make an argument this Cardinal defense is so... Swiss cheese like they their three best players on defense might all be safeties. Jeez. Yeah. Um Robert Mays, who is a football writer for the Athletic, just out of cl- the clear blue, took a screenshot of the Cardinals defensive depth chart mm-hmm. and then overlaid a gif of a guy in a hazmat suit with a flamethrower. <laughs> It's like there's, like it's a disaster, right? Um, and who knows? I mean, well, it doesn't it doesn't look very strong right now. No, because and to, for it to get to where you want it to go, mm-hmm. you're counting on big time improvement from players like Zayvon Collins and players like Isaiah Simmons, who are still having their roles worked out for them. On this depth chart, Isaiah Simmons is listed as a safety. Is that the future? I don't Another, know. And, and, and I know I just the, the know, defensive it, snap counts. Is the playbook play done yet? Do they have their playbook done yet? They're working they, on it. They're, they're working, working on it? <laughs> that's what I want to know. Maybe that's what Buddha's issue is. Come on, we don't even have a playbook. They ran out of the magenta ink in the uh, printers. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's so much fun. Uh, but yeah, Buda Baker scrubbing the AZ off of his uh, Twitter account. And like I, I said it earlier in the show, I used to laugh at stuff like that. But now we've got so much experience across all sports that when something like that happens, it means it's tied to something. It always means something. Yeah. People just don't do that. No, for, you're right. It for does, blanks no, and yes, giggles. Yes, it does mean something. So it's, it's, can this football team get a break? Yeah. Please. Uh, last chance to score the hottest ticket in town. Game one Suns playoff tickets. Just text ticket to 620-620. Register and then listen for your name today. We're going to call out two more names before the end of the day today. And the uh, noon hour and the five o'clock hour. That's your chance to qualify uh, and see the Suns take on the Clippers this Sunday. Once again, to get registered, that's ticket to 620-620. Coming up next, the uh, playoffs do begin tomorrow around the NBA. Sunday here in Phoenix. And we'll get the L.A. perspective, not just on the Clippers, but also on the Lakers from our next guest, George Sedano from ESPN. That is straight ahead. Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. The pressure that's on him is because the clock is ticking, right? Like, we just got done talking about Chris Paul. Um, KD himself has had major injuries every year since he, he tore that Achilles. So the fact that you've got this team where two of the best players are well into 
into their mid-30s, but, you know, Chris Paul's in his late 30s. They need to win as soon as possible. So that's where that pressure comes from. Um, and the fact that, that, you know, he's had his history with the Warriors and some people respect it, some people don't. He says he doesn't care about legacy anymore, but it, it certainly appears that he does. So there's definitely going to be pressure that way. And, you know, nobody's talking about it. They're starting off against the Clippers and his old uh, uh, frenemy Russell Westbrook. So, you know, right from the gate, um, he's going to have to put up if, if, if he really, you know, wants to uh, carry the sun as far as they can go. A senior writer uh, for ESPN, Andre Snelling's on uh, KJM, the Keyshawn J. Will and Max uh, radio show on ESPN, talking about the pressure on Kevin Durant with the thesis statement there being the clock is ticking on Kevin Durant. Mm. The clock is ticking on all of us, but I think it's an interesting way to break it down. When you when you hold the clock ticking up against uh, on Kevin Durant's hourglass, if you will, as opposed to Chris Paul, I think those are two different things. Kevin Durant, yes, he's been around for a long time. He's in his mid-30s. He's played a lot of basketball, but um, it appears that he still has a lot more left in the tank. And I'll, I'll circle back around to this point. A lot of people believe that this year, is is kind of a gravy year, and maybe the pressure's on Kevin Durant moving forward to win a title uh, with the Phoenix Suns in those remaining three years of the contract. Joining us now on the Arizona Sports Line from ESPN, ESPN LA, George Sedano, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. George, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? Good. Uh, I, I, I really wanted to get your perspective as we head into the playoffs, not just on the Suns and Clippers, but uh, the Lakers as well, as they're in the big bracket. But we'll start with, with, with Suns, Clippers, and just overall, uh, I think um, you know the Suns are the favorite, but how are you sizing up the Clippers' chances to pull a surprise in this series right now, George? I mean, I give them a puncher's chance. I don't think there's any question. When you got a guy like Kawhi Leonard, you have to be a little bit afraid of what he's capable of doing. And they're deeper than you guys. Mm. Uh, I think that they certainly can go potentially, if they needed to, 10 or 11 deep. They've got guys sitting on their bench that could start on a bunch of playoff teams. So I think that certainly will keep them in the series. Uh, if Paul George comes back and with relative help, then I think it's a real series at that point. But I expect this at least to go six games. Uh, and I think that there will be moments where Ty Lu uh, will get the upper hand on on the Suns, mostly because, I, and this is not to discredit Monty by any stretch of the imagination, because I love Monty and what he does, but I just think Ty Lue is one of the top two schematic uh, schematic guys in, in regards to coaching in the NBA. Like, his schemes, uh, his adjustments, it's basically him and Eric Spolster to me are the top two guys. It's interesting because he's also, uh, Devin Booker called this almost like a football game where they've had all week to prepare for a contest on Sunday. And I wonder what that means from Ty Lue's perspective. What do you think defensively he might be cooking up in advance of Kevin Durant and Devin Booker? Uh, I mean, you're going to see a lot of different looks. Uh, I would be stunned uh, if you don't see a bunch of different stuff. And it may not happen in just game one, right? I think over the course of the series, he's just going to change things up constantly. You're not going to see the same looks on those guys from game to game. Heck, maybe not even quarter to quarter or half to half. So I think that's just who he is. If you look at his history, particularly in the postseason, uh, he's had a lot of success. Now, granted, a lot of that was with LeBron. Um, so I, I get it, but not everybody's had that kind of success with LeBron, right? There's only two coaches that have won, uh, uh, or three coaches now that have won championships with him. So I, I think that that's the type of thing you're going to see is that you're going to you're going to be on your toes a lot when you're facing a Tyloo coach team. 
George Sedano from ESPN, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. You, you made reference to it, George, that you know Paul George is a big question into this series. Um, you know whether or not he'll be available at some point. We've talked to people in LA earlier in the week that seem to believe that he won't be able to go. But let's just say he doesn't play uh, in this series. The Suns advance. What 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 do you think that means for the future of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George as a duo? Because you know we we all talked about the Brooklyn experiment that failed with KD, Kyrie, and James Harden because they weren't on the floor together, but that's kind of dotted that whole relationship between those two players in L.A. Do you think there would be anything to read into that if, if it's another disappointing year for the Clippers in the postseason? No, I don't I don't get the sense that those guys are going to be parting ways. Now, look, obviously things change, right? Depends on who becomes available. I think all those things could be on on the table for any team, but I, I don't get the sense that they want to break this team up. I, I get the, I think that they feel like these just have had really bad luck when it comes to injuries and things of that nature. So uh, I don't think you can control some of that stuff. So I think that they feel pretty confident that if they can get a year where they can just get guys with relative health, that they, they have a real shot at winning a championship. Uh, in his podcast, Paul George, uh, he sounded coy. He sounded optimistic about returning at some point in this. And is that just me reading into it? Uh, at some point in this series, what does your intuition tell you about Paul George in this series? I mean, I think he's going to try to go. Uh, I don't know. I don't don't really have any insight on his health, right? But I think he's going to try. It's no different than in another series. I was talking to some folks in Cleveland, and they were asking me about Julius Randle. And I would just be stunned if Julius Randle didn't try everything to get on the floor. And I think that Paul will have a similar uh, thing, right? Like, he'll, he'll do his best to try to get on the floor. I don't know how realistic that is, though. Speaking with George Sedano of uh, ESPN, ESPN LA here on uh, Bickley and Murata Morning. Shifting the focus to the other LA team, the Lakers. Weird to call the Lakers the other LA team. Right? Nobody ever does that. I think that may be the first wow, one to do it. Wow. But, yeah. but, you guys, that is blasphemous from where I come from. I know, right? Uh, as the seventh seed against Memphis, there's a lot of people that are still believing in the Lakers' chances. It's been a roller coaster ride for them. They finished strong. I mean, how do you size up the Lakers' chances in that series? Series and beyond, George. Well, I like their chances in this series. Uh, look, John ja Morant is an incredible talent, and I think that John ja Morant can take over the series. And, and they don't really have a matchup for him. But I think that the biggest issue that the Grizzlies have is no Brandon Clark, no Stephen Adams. Mm-hmm. So it's two less guys that can go against Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis is playing at an incredible level right now. He's the Player of the Month, reigning Player of the Month in the Western Conference. And Jaron Jackson Jr., for as great as he is, a defensive player of the year candidate, he's a guy that is really foul prone, man. I mean, he has a propensity to get himself in foul trouble in a big way and with way too much regularity for my liking. And I think that that, that's just something the Lakers can take advantage of. So uh, I don't think Dylan Brooks can contain LeBron (laughs) uh, like he may think he can. Uh, I think even LeBron at 38 years old, I mean, even though he may not have, you know, 35, 40-point nights every night. Uh, They may not need that if Anthony Davis is rolling, to be honest with you. So I like them. I think it's a toss-up in the series, but if I I made the pick of Lakers in seven just based on what I just told you. Do you believe, uh, big picture in the Western Conference, the Nuggets are getting enough respect as a one seed going into this? No, um, and mostly because my old colleague Tom Haberstroh at ESPN wrote a story a number of years ago about how the biggest predictor of playoff success is actually not the last 20 games of the season. It's more the first 20 games of the season. Wow. So we're basing it off that. Uh, and he did a lot of a big historical analysis on that on teams and where they went in the playoffs and how deep they went. 
that you would think Denver will have a real shot. The problem is for Denver is that I don't think that, you know, there's always outliers in those scenarios, right? And I don't think anyone accounts for uh, Kevin Durant landing in your city yeah. <laughs> and being on the same side of the bracket as them, right? So I think that that, uh, that becomes an issue uh, for them because it's funny if, if if they were let's I mean let's just say you guys the Clippers do eliminate you guys for one reason or another they've actually owned the Clippers uh, particularly this year <laughs> they have beat them uh, like a drum in most games they had one overtime game and even in that overtime game they ended up winning by nearly double digits so they uh, they they're a team that's formidable there's no doubt this is the best team they built around Nikola Jokic they did a really good job of constructing the team around him. And Nikola is no longer a net negative on defense. I'm not going to say he's like a great defender, um, but I would say he's somewhere near an average defender now, and I think that's also been big for them too. Yeah. George, thanks so much for joining Thank us you, this morning. We really appreciate the time and the insight. You got it, guys. Sorry for the noise in the background. I came to visit my buddy Dan Levitard at his new studios here in Miami while I was here, and uh, there's a lot of noise in the background, so I apologize for that. <laughs> it's all good, We'll man. allow it. It's <laughs> all good, bro. Thanks, George. George Sedano, our uh, guest here on the Arizona Sports Line, breaking down the uh, Suns, Clippers, and the NBA playoffs. Coming up next, there is a common refrain among Suns fans going into this postseason. Win one for Al. Well, there's a, definitely a Suns player that's on board with that. We'll tell you more about it next. Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bitly and Murata Mornings. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. We have got a lot of basketball games to win, right? All right, so let's go. Shazam! That was last Sunday at Footprint Center. The one and only Al McCoy addressing the uh, crowd at halftime, and he was honored because this is uh, this is the final playoff run for Al McCoy, going into retirement at the end of the season. And it's been fifty-one years, fifty-one of the fifty-five years the Suns mm. have been a franchise. He's been the play-by-play voice for the Suns, and there's no championships there. No. And uh, you know, obviously, Al would love to get that on the way out. Yeah. I think every Suns fan would love to get that for Al on the way out. Too. Yeah, that's yeah. I think yes, definitely. I would think probably more the latter than the former. I think Al McCoy, I think, would probably feel and deem himself very blessed mm-hmm. to, as he said, come off a farm in Iowa uh, to do this job for as long and as well as he's done it. Uh, but I think fans would love would love the vibe of that. It would just it would feel like poetic justice. Yeah, practice yesterday. Devin Booker was asked about that very subject. Uh, Cam Cox from uh, Twelve sports asked about the win one for Al campaign. But obviously it'd be great to win a title but for Al if you want to. It would be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. For Al if you want to fifty years. Let's do it. On the same page as you. <laughs> and then uh, Book kind of uh, elaborated on his relationship and his thoughts on Al McCoy. So important. You know, I think that was a, one of the biggest moments in this you know, organization's history. And, you know, he's been a big product of, you know, what this franchise is and, and what it's become and, you know, the history behind it. So, you know, I, you know I'm so, I know it's bittersweet. You know, he gets to go into retirement, but we're definitely going to miss hearing his voice daily. Um I'm sure he's going to be around. I'm going to check on him. And the Suns got close two years ago. They got up two nothing in the in the NBA Finals, uh-huh. and we thought, "Wow, this is actually going to happen." We did. It started to feel that way. What a great way for Al at that point to go out. And then last year was his fiftieth year, so the decision was, "All right, come back." 
and, and Al told us and, and other radio shows and media outlets that he wanted to call it quits after last year. The fact that he's back at this point and on, you know, ready to call playoff games in this run. You know, there's so many reasons why this would be fantastic. Yeah, for the Suns to get this done, but he's. I think that's near interesting. The top of the I, list. I wonder. I wonder what. I wonder what made Al want to tap out after last year. Maybe it was the way they lost in the playoffs, <laughs> right? So if they're going to tap out, I'm going to tap I'm out. Tap it out, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, um, so I, whatever, whatever the reason is, I'm I'm very very happy that that he did come back because this is such a great opportunity for. For again, poetic justice—you don't get that a lot in sports. And Al's getting the fanfare that he deserves during the season and postseason. Where if he would have just retired in the off season, the fans wouldn't be able to give it to yeah, to him. That's that's true. And we talk about that with players more so than broadcasters. But that's that is very true. And, and let me just gush about Devin Booker a little bit too. All right. And how in his eighth year. And we've been talking about it throughout his entire career, just the steps that he's taken in growth as an NBA player and as a professional and as you know a person. He knows the history of the Suns. Mm-hmm. He's gravitated towards it. And it's just so refreshing in this city to have a player of his quality. And I hope, I hope that this is still a goal. To keep Devin Booker in one uniform for his entire career. It doesn't happen very much in sports. It mm-hmm. certainly doesn't happen in Phoenix, Arizona very often. But just his relationship, his comments, the little things he does to go out of his way. Last year when they got their 63rd win, he comes over to the scorer's table and he you know takes his jersey off and signs it and gives it yeah. to Al and says, this is yeah. for you. That means something. Yeah. The fact that you know he wasn't even in the game. He was in street clothes. But he came out early from the halftime locker room to come out and pay his respect to Al McCoy during that that, that presentation. The, the dude just gets it. He does everything yeah. right. Yeah, and uh, I've always, I've had the fear um, ever since learning and knowing how much he idolized Kobe Bryant, or Kobe, as they like to call him, um, that, that one day that that is where he would want to finish his career, post-LeBron, to be the next major star in Los Angeles. I've al- always had that fear. I don't know if winning a championship in Phoenix would... would make that less or more likely to happen or if it's even something that he even thinks about yeah. or cares about. I don't know. That's a I mean, fascinating he's... question that you bring up. Winning a, a winning a championship in Phoenix, something nobody's ever done before. It could go one of two ways. It could satisfy a player to say, you know what, I, I'm the guy here. It's time to go move on and do something else. Or it could it could build that desire to win another one and become the Kobe Bryant of Phoenix as opposed to becoming... A guy who you know who, who follows in the footsteps of Kobe. Right, right, exactly. It's a great and, problem to have well, either it, way. Yes, <laughs> no, it is, and it's and again, he's got a lot of career left in front of him. That's that's the thing about Devin Booker. How old is Devin Booker now? Twenty six. Yeah. So I mean, he's yeah, he's <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. He's been in the league for eight years. He's yeah. How about years it? Old. How about it? And, and so so I think in the moment though, for Devin Booker to to recognize that, um, so he knows he knows the opportunity. He knows he realizes that far more than Kevin Durant. And now Kevin Durant surely knows of Al McCoy, but doesn't know him the way. Devin Booker does obviously no. So yeah, I so I think that yeah, it's it's a great adjunct to have to all of this. There's so many of them. Whether you talk about Chris Paul and just deserves and and how it would be how it would be nice that if he would be the legendary point guard who actually checks out with a ring. 
KJ couldn't do it. Steve Nash couldn't do it, right? And so there's that. You then there's the book. There's Al McCoy. There's there's all of this stuff. There's the fan base. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of boxes get checked this yep. time around, Vinny. Devin Booker talked about the fan base as well. Oh man, you guys know what it's going to be. Uh, I can't wait to feel it. Uh, you know, it's a feeling that I definitely miss. I mean, it's, they've been holding it down all regular season, but I know it's a whole different beast once you know it, it turns into it. Yeah, he's right. It's just different when the playoffs roll around. We finally get our first taste of it on Sunday. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next as we hit the 9 o'clock hour on a Friday, Sarah Cazell will take us through some social studies. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, live from the Akchin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.